Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast, a fantasy football podcast. And today it's a gambling podcast. What's better than that? I'm Scott Pianowski. I got my main man, Frank Schwab, from Yahoo with me today. You know him from just that A to Z, 24-7, 365 NFL coverage he does. And he's also become one of our point men for the gambling revolution. He's writing about all sorts of stuff, bad beats, trends, you name it. Today we're going to talk about handicapping. We're going to review the, the 2020 year in NFL gambling, which was pretty much a year of the underdog. See if we can find any value in the futures market. Maybe rant about a head coach or two, you know that that type of thing. Just to put a put a bow on what just happened, and try to get you ready for the new 2021 gambling season. It's a really exciting time. Stuff is becoming available in more and more states. And as always, the odds we get on today's program are going to be from our friends at BetMGM. And if you're not over there, uh, they have some great opening deals to get you in the door and, and get you some cash in your pocket. You sign up at BetMGM.com slash yahoo special use the promo code sportsbook when you make that first deposit this is valued valid for users in new jersey west virginia indiana tennessee colorado iowa ia is iowa right virginia and michigan <laughs> that are 21 years or older bonus paid and free bets within 24 hours terms do apply you know it used to be that list was just a few states is getting longer and longer it's only going to go up and up so enough of my talking. Let's bring in the man, the myth, Frankie Roast Beef. How are you, Mr. Schwab? Doing great. I mean, as you're talking about this, it's I've always kind of appreciated this, that, you know, when me and you got into this business uh, years and years ago, gambling was so taboo. Like we wouldn't, you didn't talk gambling if you were a, a quote unquote real journalist. You didn't, like it just didn't permeate any part of our life. And here we are doing a podcast solely devoted to to football gambling, whatever other gambling we want to talk about. We're talking about all these states that have it now. It is just, it's so exciting. It's so fun. It's so great. I love it. I, I just think there's this world, it, it, we're out in the open now, right? Like it used to be this kind of cloak and dagger. If you were talking football, uh, it, it, writing about football, whatever, or, you know, writing about gambling, talking about gambling, you were kind of a black sheep a little bit, but now it's just so mainstream. I, I watch the NHL game the other day I was watching and I noticed there's odds on the scroll at the bottom of the screen. And it's, it's just a new world, man. And it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Even when you watch hockey or any sport now, you'll see 
the people breaking down the game, even the people who aren't really into gambling or fantasy yeah. would be making picks. When I watch a Red Wings game, they all pick a player who, who's going to you know, be right. their fantasy pick yeah. or their prop pick. You know, and, and fantasy and gambling are always going to be linked together because the idea is I can predict what's going to happen better than you, better than the market, better than the odds presented. So if you're a fantasy player, I see no reason why you wouldn't want to be in the gaming space. If you're a gaming player, I see no reason why that wouldn't apply to fantasy. There's a bunch of overlap here. Absolutely. And, and you go back, I thought one of the great early 30 for 30s that probably got overlooked a little bit was the Jimmy the Greek. It was like the second or oh, third yeah. one they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when Jim, you know, this is this is a lot of people listening probably have no idea who Jimmy the Greek was or, or just in passing they've heard his name. Go back and watch that 30 for 30. When he was doing the NFL today and they were breaking down the games and he was there ostensibly to be a handicapper, they could not mention the spread. And so Brent Musburger would say, so you you like the Cowboys by a, a lot in this game? Yeah, probably by 10 or more, you know, something like that. Because <laughs> they, right. they couldn't say they're going to cover the six and a half. Right. That, and we, we've seen for years Al Michaels winking at the crowd with, you know, the the field goal is over the bar. You know, it, it, it used to be, again, a wink and a nudge. But now you turn on ESPN and, you know, Scott Van Pelt is, is, is doing bad beats, you know, and is talking – they have a whole casino. His whole show is set up like it's a casino. You know, him yeah. and Steve, Stanford Steve, are talking about that stuff. Again, you're doing tons of great gambling content over at Yahoo, and I hope people are checking that out. So uh, near the end of the show, we'll talk about, we'll look at some of the early conference odds from BetMGM and some early Super Bowl odds and see if we like anything there. But let's try to put a bow on what we just saw. Yeah. This was a year where underdogs dominated. Fifty, I think 55% of the tickets were cashed on underdogs, road teams went 57% against the spread. And for the first time in NFL history, road teams had a winning record. It was just by a game. Yep. But home field, we had seen in recent years with, you know, maybe it's because the officiating's gotten better. Maybe it's because the crowds are more corporate. They're not as zealous. You know, you have, you know, what are the, the rich people going to shake their Rolex watches or whatever it is. <laughs> I, I, home field was getting less and less impactful. We just saw a year where it wasn't impactful at all. Now, look, most of the stadiums were empty. That could be part of it. Is there a takeaway to this? Is it just a matter of, you know, is the travel better? Is it not? I mean, teams are not going from site A to site B on a covered wagon. You know, they're right. they're flying charter and they, they have really good accommodations. So maybe it's just not as rigorous being on the road. Maybe teams are smarter with sleep. Maybe they're not partying as much. I, I don't know. Just what's your takeaway on? We just saw road teams and underdogs dominate. What's your takeaway on that? Yeah, and I, I think we have to make a decision. It, it's early in the season. We'll know. We'll know after a few weeks. But early that next season, we have to make a decision. Was this because of COVID? Oh, and that's assuming like everything's back to normal by September. We have no idea. But let's say we don't know. Whenever we get back to normal, was the erosion of home field advantage just because of COVID, or was there something else in play? All the factors you talked about. I think there's a, there's some happy medium there. I we saw in 2019. If I'm not mistaken, road teams had a better point differential but didn't get over the 500 threshold like they did in 2020. In 2020, like you said, they were game over 500 straight up, which is unbelievable. And I think I think that if nothing else, I'll, I'll give a little bit more credit to home field advantage when fans are back, but not much. I, I'm i still going to be, you know, instead of the typical two, two and a half points, maybe it's a point. I, it, except for extreme cases of really, really good home teams like Seattle stands out, Kansas City's another one, Green Bay. Denver the for the atmosphere. Denver, right? for, Denver early in the season for sure. Um, 
that's always a good good <laughs> against the spread play. But I just don't think there's home field advantage anymore for every reason you said. I think these teams are so used to travel and they're they're so sophisticated at it. They have their they're they know they know what they're doing. They're in a routine. It's you're getting on a plane. You're you're not going through the terminal. Like I, I mean, I don't know how if people know how NFL teams travel, but it is the easiest travel in the world. You show up, you basically go straight onto the tarmac. You get onto a chartered plane. You do your security stuff. I think at the facility, there's no there's no bad parts of traveling when you're an NFL football player. Let's put it that way. You're on a very comfortable plane that has food on it, all that kind of stuff. You're in a five-star hotel most places. So yeah, I just don't think it's hard to travel anymore. And I think the teams are better suited to, to handle the the things that do matter on the road. Like, you know, sometimes you're not going to be able to hear your signals well enough. But I think that everybody's kind of adjusted to to this, you know, they, they can play on the road now. And I don't think, I think next year, let's say it's normal year, right? I think that home teams are maybe going to be 10 to 15 games over 500, but that's not much of an edge anymore. Yeah. You know, what, what set me, what kind of put me on uncertain footing is it used to just be, let's just say we're in a season where the Rams and the Seahawks are considered even. I just think, okay, uh, Rams are at home. I'm favoring them by three. The three yep. was my number. Three, yep. And as that as home field started to get a, lose a little bit of luster in recent years, it's like, okay, I, I knew that maybe the three was really a two and a half. Maybe it was a two. But, but whatever. The three was my benchmark. I knew what that meant. I'm just not – it's just strange to me to think, okay, I think these two teams are similar, and I don't want to put any value in home field. I, I don't know – I miss the days where I could just slap the straight three on when I was trying to project a line because I don't have that anymore. I, I agree. It's like you're telling me – it's like I sat down at a blackjack table and said, oh, yeah, the game's not 21 anymore. The game's 23. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, it changes what? your whole math. It changes your whole yeah, math. It changes, yeah, I feel like all my ma- – my, or a mile is no longer – you know, a mile is actually uh, a mile and a third now. And you, yeah, right. I moved to Canada and I have to get used right. to kilometers. It just it, – there's an internal calibration that I have that is off now, and I don't really know what to do with that. Yeah, and I and I I struggled with it for a while too. Of just you have to remind yourself constantly, like you're just so like both of us have been betting for decades now because we're both old men, and you know you just get so used to oh home home favorite or home home dog or you know whatever you know that it matters. But now it's just like well, does it matter? Like does it matter that they're home? I guess a little bit, but really not that much to to where I'm going to change my pick, where I'm going to change what I think the spread should be. And I, I, I'll tell you what, until proven otherwise, I'm kind of going with that into the 2021 season. Again, assuming everything's somewhat normal, I'm not going to be giving almost anything for home field advantage. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to note it uh, if it's, if it's a tiebreaker of sorts, maybe, but if I have a strong lean toward the road team, just as better, I'll, I have no problem with that anymore. I just don't think home field advantage is going to be a big part of my handicapping going forward. So let's talk about two staples that I, I've been, this has been generally how I've handicapped most of my life. And again, underdogs had a really strong year in 2020. I, it kills me that I, I put out my five darts every week. Um, I've done that for on yeah. Yahoo for, I don't know, 10 years or so. And I think I've only had two losing seasons. One of them was, was 2020 in a year where underdogs dominated. And I'm an underdog driven guy. My whole idea is if you can't, give me a good pitch on the favorite. You have to take the points. That's my general underlying principle. And I guess the other thing that I've always relied on is just zigzag theory. When a team looks too good, they're, they're going to likely regress to the mean the next week. When a team looks al- absolutely lousy and nobody wants to bet on them, that's generally when you want to get on them in part because the line 
you know, after the Jets play a couple of lousy games, nobody wants to bet on them. So you're getting 15 points every time they get on the field. And, And I know that there wasn't enough points to give to the Jets for about maybe five or six weeks, just like it was the same case with the Dolphins the previous year. And then eventually they kind of got their act together. And and I don't know if maybe teams, you know, didn't get up for the Jets or whatever it was, but the Jets were a perfectly fine bet in the second half of the year, just like Miami was a check cashing machine the previous year. So underdogs have always been a big part of my my diet with, with betting. And so has the zigzag theory, the idea of don't follow what just happened. Don't get caught up in recency bias take the value yeah. when the, I love when a team you know played over its skis in one game, I think the previous week and a team's coming off a bad, I love when a, a really well-coached team is embarrassed when yeah. a Bill Belichick team, a Sean McVay team, a Kyle Shanahan team just showed you their worst face. I love it when they play the next week. And, and if the line gives me any value, all the better. Um, how are you spending the underdog season and um, just a zigzag theory? Any comments on what I just said? Yeah, and, uh, another thing I love, and I know you do too, is when teams have kind of uh, uh, these wins that aren't really great wins that they shouldn't have Tony won. Wins, but yeah. like hey, week one was a great example. If you look at the box score of the Colts and Jaguars, it was like uh, the Jaguars got outgained like almost three to one, and it mm-hmm. just what it was a weird game. Like I, it, it's a weird result that the Jaguars beat the Colts this year. But I, I looked at the I, I looked at it and said, wow, maybe you know you just watching the game, you're not realizing you're watching eight nine games at once, you're not realizing exactly what's happening. I went back and looked at the box score and said the Colts just blasted them in this game. They just didn't win. And then for a couple of weeks, it was this Jaguar like the Jaguars barely lost to Tennessee the next week, I think, but. I remember they were playing on a Thursday night against Miami and everybody was, oh, Jag, everybody's betting the Jaguars. I'm like, this team's not good. Like that's, this was a, it was, it was a counterfeit win they had in week one that they're still living off of. I love those situations because I think most people just look at the final score, right? Like they, oh, hey, this team won by seven. Yeah, but if they all got out game by 200 yards, like great for them. I'll pat you on the back. You got the win. That's what matters. But for me, for a gambler, I want to know what's behind that. I want to know, hey, was this a legitimate win or counterfeit win? That's a big part of what I do. So I, I'm always, I'm an underdog guy too. I work the underdog on the way. Like uh, uh, the first thing I look at is who's getting points and can I take them? And if it's just not, I, then I'll work back to the favorites. Same with you. And I think that the NFL is just such an unpredictable thing. It's hard to bet the NFL. It is hard. It is probably the hardest sport there is because the lines are so tight. There's only 16 games at most uh, at a week. And the, the sports books do such a great handle on that. They can't have a bad line. Like, if you have a bad line on, you know, uh, Eastern Washington, Montana, Big Sky basketball game, yeah, you might lose a few thousand dollars. If you have a bad line on Cowboys-Giants, you're going to lose a, a six figures. It is a big difference. So the lines are so tight that I think that, you know, just taking taking the underdog isn't the worst thing because things change so quickly and we don't know where it's going that if you if you end up with the points, a team that looked terrible the week before, a team that looked terrible, the Jets looked terrible for eight, nine weeks, like you said, all of a sudden they're a different team in the second half. That happens all the time in the NFL. So I, I always think it's a good idea to, to look underdog first. I, I don't see that slowing down with the parity in the league. I mean, things change. Like I, I th- something we don't realize enough, we don't talk about enough, is that the NFL is so luck-driven. And I hate to say that because it's it makes it seem like they're flipping coins out there. But when you look at how how competitive these NFL teams are from, you know, there's maybe two or three teams that are just terrible. There's maybe two or three teams that are great. Everybody else is basically the same. Like, they are. And it's who gets the fumble luck, who has the call that goes against them, which pass interference gets called at the end, whatever. So 
in these situations, you can't you can't just say, well, this team's been good for a month. They're going to keep being good. I, that's not usually how the NFL works. So just looking at the underdogs, the teams that have looked bad, that can help you because teams change their spots on a dime, and you just don't see it coming. Yeah, the margins can be really narrow. I love the idea, and this is something I've, I've always tried to do, even when I didn't really understand why I was doing it. When I, when I was first getting into this whole handicapping thing, I would look for teams – oh, this team won last week and they had a punt return touchdown and they had like, you know, uh, a turnover on a, a, real, a really lucky turnover on defense or something. I look for teams. I always thought you would impress me the most if you move the ball up and down the field and you would impress me the least if you got flash scoring from plays that didn't look repeatable. So I, I, I'm with you that I always try to, and part of this is box score analysis. Part of it is, is rewatching the game. Sure, I, I know yeah. you, you, you rewatch, not only do you rewatch every game in season, but I, I hope everybody realizes you will rewatch every NFL game in the offseason, too. Yeah. Just as a, the a bank of the your... Condensed, the condensed games is a godsend. I mean, it Oh, is, isn't it? You can breeze through a game in a half hour. It's great. Yeah, there's nothing better than, than getting to see it again. And if, and if a play catches your fancy, you can watch it over and over again if you want to try to figure out what exactly happened. And, and look, I'm, I'm not Greg Cosell. I, I can't say I could watch an all-22 football play and break it down the way, you know... As much as I, I will criticize these coaches for, for their game theory sometimes and the way they handle the clock, I can't break down the film like they can, right. and I'm never going to pretend that I can. But I'm always trying to look for what team actually deserved to win but didn't, what team probably mm-hmm. didn't deserve to win but did. And one thing I want to say about underdogs, we talked about this a little bit during the year with, with Dalton on our regular podcast series on Wednesday. It takes a certain type of personality to bet underdogs. Because here's the thing. First of all, you're betting the underdog. You're betting on the presumed weaker team to right, begin with. Right. And that means you're betting on the Jets. That means you're betting on whoever the weakest teams were. You know, For all the years, the Browns were horrible. Right. You know, you're betting on those teams. Oh, Real quick, real and, quick last year there was a game, uh, Jets at Colts. And mm-hmm. the Col- Jets were getting like plus 11 or something like that. And this is before we really knew the Jets were the worst team of football. And mm-hmm. I was all about the Jets. You feel embarrassed afterwards. Like, how could I be on the Jets? Like, how could I be sitting here touting the Jets as one of my main plays? You got to deal with that. Like, you talk about right. personality. That's, what, that's actually where I was going with next you are is that look when you dumb, lose on an underdog, when you pick an underdog and it's the wrong side, you, feel dumb. you may lose 47 to nothing. Right. You know, you may right. you may have that moment where it's it, that self-loathing kicks in. How could I have bet on this lousy team? But it's if it was just as easy enough as identify the the great teams and, and there's so many ways so so people say, Okay, I want I want to bet on the Chiefs. I want to bet on the um I don't I don't know who the uh, the Packers. You know, I want to bet on when the Patriots are good. I want to bet on the Patriots. And there's so many ways to do it, you can say, okay, well, I'll just money line parlay them or I'll just tease them. Right. Teases are very, very popular. And now money line parlays, I think, are coming becoming even more popular because then you just take out the whole idea that the point spread is going to screw you. You just want them to win the game. And that's one thing I do like about money line parlays. At least you don't, at least your objective is always the same as the team's objective win the, right. the stupid football game. Right. But I think our nation's consciousness wants to bet on the teams they know are better. When you bet on a two-team teaser, and everybody will always tell me, the two-team teasers people always bet on are like you know, two teams favored by like seven and a half, eight and a half points. Do, get yeah, them down. I, I do. I follow right? that. Because track, you, you know you're on the two stronger teams. Yep. And, you th- and you think, okay, you know, they both should win. But the problem is as you keep adding liability, like people say, oh, yeah, I bet a four-team tease. All, it, all you need is one game to go off script and that ticket goes in the trash can. Right, and, and it's not like college football where – Alabama's going to beat the Citadel every single time. Like, it's just the right. way it is. Like, there's no – that. there's a reason college football, you see 39-point spreads, 42, whatever, especially when Alabama's involved. Where 
if if I remember writing about a, there's a 20 point spread in the NFL this year, Kansas City Jets, and it was like, wow, 20 points. You see this literally 20 times every week on a Saturday. Uh, you don't see it in the NFL because all these teams are bunched up pretty easily. I do think another point, but, but the counterpoint to that is, and I think this is important, is we can get too contrarian at times. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you feel square taking the easy play, but sometimes the easy play is easy for a reason. Like sometimes it's just, hey, you know, the the Patriots in their heyday really weren't losing anybody money. You kind of felt weird betting on them every week. You know, they'd be minus 10, minus 11, whatever, but it kept cashing tickets. So I think we can get too far into the weeds and being contrarian. And sometimes the the obvious play is obvious for a reason there, there's a balance here and there's there's so many that that's the beauty of sports betting and that's why it's so challenging that's why nobody's ever figured it out and that's why we've been doing it for you know 20 plus years we've never figured it out because there's so many different layers you could talk yourself if i wanted to talk myself into any game on the board i could give you 10 reasons any game like it doesn't matter even if i don't believe it i could give you reasons there are always reasons for and against each game there's trends there's you know gut feeling there's numbers there's if you want to use dvoa whatever it is you can always find a reason to bet a team if you want and confirmation bias is really hard to to kind of fight that way but i so i think that there's this, you know, yeah, you don't want to be just uh, uh, riding all the favorites all the time because they don't win every single time, obviously. But you also don't want to be too contrarian where you're passing up, hey, the, the better team here is getting only two and a half, or giving only two and a half points. I, I should really just be square about this game. You mentioned Bill Belichick, Patriots. I believe I don't know the exact number, but I, I have the neighborhood of it. During the Belichick-Brady era, they cashed. I want to say something like 57, 58% of the yeah. time against oh, yeah. the spread, yeah. which is unheard of. If you could come up with anything in handicapping or any sport, if you could just say, okay, I can pick Mountain West basketball games, 58% against the spread. You oh, could yeah. live anywhere you wanted in the world. And is, you know, whatever the, your handicapping work would be, would, would be it. And then you'd be on a beach, you know, chasing your dog around or playing golf or whatever it is that you do at leisure. And the money would keep rolling in this year with, with Brady gone. I, I thought that, that divorce made sense for both teams. I don't think Brady and the Patriots made sense together. I think New England had different goals. Brady had to go somewhere where he'd get more support. He found a pretty good spot to do that. <laughs> Last I heard, Tom Brady was on a boat, um, you know, in a pretty good mood, you know, c- celebrating Tampa Bay. Are you sick of Tampa Bay winning everything, Frank? The Lightning, the, know, right? the Buccaneers, yeah. but... Hey, me and you, had, I, I had, because of you, I had the Lightning last year at a really, really good price, so... That was, that was fun to ride. That, that was, was fun, fun to ride the Lightning. Thank you. beautiful, uh, yes. We were having some fun with our golf bets until until Bryson DeChambeau decided to drive <laughs> into a ditch in, in L.A. We're not going to talk about that. But before this season, with the with Brady gone and, and, you know, whatever version of Brady they were losing, with all the defensive opt-outs, at one point in this in the spring, and it, it flipped eventually, but New England was still the favorite in the division, and I thought, this is wrong. Oh, yeah. And I saw the opt-outs. I thought, this is crazy. And the over-under on New England, I think, settled in the nine-and-a-half or nine range and, you know, and look, Belichick's just like, you know, print 11 or 12 wins every year. And I thought, you know, they're giving too much credit to Belichick for as great as he is. He needs players. And so I think there's an opportunity for me to jump into the pool and just like fade New England aggressively. And I did it with like one foot in and one foot out. I definitely had New England under. I told people to bet it. I faded them most of the year, although when they when they got a little frisky in the middle of the year, I thought, geez, am I really going to lose this? And maybe I lost right. my nerve a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But it's just so funny that I think now looking back, and look, I know everything looks easy when it's played. 
But now I look back and think, man, the Patriots didn't have the horses. Buffalo to win the AFC East was a layup. Yeah, yeah, Miami's frisky and all that. Miami's got a good team. And you, know, I, you could at least tell yourself on paper the Jets had you know a 5-11 team on paper before the year. Everything went wrong. Adam Gase was the wrong guy at the wrong time. I look forward to Sam Darnold having a fresh start somewhere else. But I just, I'm just kind of kicking myself thinking we had the great moment. Because Belichick's a name brand. We had the yeah. great moment to fade him because he didn't have any players. And I faded him again half, half-heartedly. half I feel like I left a lot of money on the table. With yeah, that. if you remember early in the season, they had the – I think it was back-to-back weeks where they played Seattle on a Sunday night and should have won. Yep. They, they got tackled. The Cam was great that game. Was great. Cam looked great. And then uh, it was the Raiders. They, they The Raiders are were actually not a bad team last year at all. And the Patriots beat them pretty soundly. And you thought – He's doing it again. This guy's a, a wizard. Like what? And then you're right. I got cold feet too because I had all kinds of Patriots under Bills to win the division. Bills over whatever. Whatever was negative towards the Patriots before the season. I was they should have won at Buffalo if not for a late Newton yeah. fumble. I think. And I thought the Bills were a great bet yep. that day. I got away I with it with a push. Yeah, and I'm like, oh man, give me that money before the you know the game changes again. I mean, yeah, it was just. But it's that's you know even still like going back to this. Uh, even bad, and the, the New England Patriots are a bad NFL team last year. They still won, I think, six. It was six and ten they finished. Like uh, they're right. still gonna, and they probably finished close to five hundred against the spread. It's 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 so hard to pick the spots where they're gonna. Hey, you're gonna show up against the Bills, but you're, what was the third? They played a Thursday night game where they just got destroyed, and I think I was on them in that game. The Rams, the Rams, the Rams kicked the Rams, living tar out of them. Rams. And you just, oh, because it was coming off the Chargers win where you're like, oh my goodness. And, and of course, what did the Rams do to, to reward us is they, they knocked me out of my elimination pool by losing to the Jets like two oh, weeks later. Yeah, Maybe yeah. the next week. It wasn't that soon that, after yeah. that. Yeah, I was I was on that too. Uh, and so, yeah, you just don't know. It, it just, it, it's, it feels so dumb to, to do this all the time and to do it seriously and to write about it and talk about it. And at the end of the day, just kind of throw your hands up and say, you know what? Sometimes the Patriots going to win 31 zip one week and then the next week they're going to lose 28 three or whatever that Rams game was. It's it's just the nature of the NFL beast. And it's hard. It is very, very hard to do this and pick the spots and know what's coming because sometimes, as I've said, teams just change. And sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to it. They just play good one week, play bad the next. It just happens. Yep. Sometimes a matchup just doesn't yep. work out. Well, I remember when I, I liked New England against San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan went in there and said, watch, watch me like make Wilson look like Earl Campbell, you know, yep, yep. <laughs> we, that game. And again, it's just so funny. Sometimes you're on a side and you know, 15 minutes in this thing, I can rip this up. I can throw this in the shredder. There's no value. If they're offering me again, some of these sites will have buyouts, right? Yeah, better you, you, go, you can go on the site and you can cash out your ticket, which we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. There's two sides to that. There's either this ticket's worthless. Let's take it at whatever I can get. Or, uh, let's talk about my buddy Vic Fangio. So <laughs> online betting became legal in Michigan in, I think, the middle of January. You know, BetMGM went live. Some other sites went live. Before that, it was legal in sportsbooks downtown. Now, you know, we, we live in this COVID era. I'm not trying to go out a lot, but I would occasionally go down, mask up, sanitize up, make my bets as quickly as possible, walk out. So this is before I had BetMGM as, a, as an online outlet. Week 17, I, I make a couple of different bets. I bet a fun 17 parlay, five, five or 10. I remember bucks. This. It was a yeah. very small you, bet. You, yeah, you're, tall, you're texting me. Payoff's about, about 500 bucks. Uh, the early games come in. There are some late games that play. Um, it looks like I'm going to lose the Seattle-Arizona game. Arizona's been the right side all day. Seattle scores late, but then Arizona scores again. So that game flips. 
All I need is the Broncos to win money line against the Raiders. At this point, Denver's up by seven late in the game. There's time for like one more Raiders possession. And that my ticket's worth, it's not worth mega bucks, like 500 bucks, like a $500 ticket. Now, had BetMGM already been live in Michigan, I could have hedged at any point. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I could have tried to double dip it. I could have maybe taken the Raiders with the points, whatever was offered. I don't know what the live betting was because it wasn't available to me then. I watched the Broncos totally mismanage the final drive, basically escort the Raiders down the field. Yep. And then the, the Raiders are out of timeouts. They want to go for two. Fangio doesn't realize how confused the Raiders are, and he calls timeout. Just Unbelievable. To make sure Unbelievable. Like, that, that John was, Gruden has plenty of time to get that plan. That would have been the most talked about coaching decision of the season. It was un- But nobody cared about the game at that point because it was. And, and talk court, about, except if, you, if, Scott, betting, you if I could have live bet then before the two point conversion, oh my God, <laughs> would I have done a two hand shove on the Raiders? Of course, the Raiders can convert the two. The Broncos need the t- that timeout on their ensuing offensive possession. Right. They get just. Just on the outskirts of field goal range, I know long kicks are possible in Denver, but they they were asking like a sixty plus field goal, and you know McManus didn't even get it really off the air. The bottom line is, and, and look, I get it for all the times I I can suss out a game where it's headed, and I'm ahead of the curve on something, and I can cash out. You know, there are going to be times you hedge, and the hedge was the wrong play, and you should have let it ride. I can live with that. The bottom line was this was a $10 ticket that had turned into a $500 ticket. I would have had no problem meeting in the middle somewhere. Nobody ever went broke making money. And so I'm just thinking, of course, you're going to be reasonable about it. You can't be. One of the things I think is very important with, with gambling and handicapping is to make your decisions when you're not emotional, to make your decisions yeah, coming from a base of reason. And if you can do that with live betting, I think it's a great opportunity. Now, if you get caught up in it, if you're just living on this yo-yo um, stock market up and down roller coaster, I think you can make a lot of decisions with bad with uh, live betting, and it could actually be a little bit dangerous to get involved in it. I just know here's one case where it was just really simple. I, I could have cashed out. I could have locked in a win. I could have maybe even middled it where I, I could have had the a point spread. Yeah, I could have my hedge could have been Raiders plus the points, and I could have hit both halves of it. So I'm really looking forward to it. I, I don't know how much of that live betting you've done, if it was available to you in Colorado all oh, season, yeah, but is, yep. I'm looking forward to seeing how I'm going to incorporate that into my game plan next year. Right, and I, I'm still trying to figure out the best strategies. I, I end up leaning on the same strategy all the time, which is if a favorite gets down, and I, I'm getting a good price on them. I still get stuck yeah. with the pre-flop spread. Like, let's say Packers are playing the Chargers, right? And... Pre-game, the Packers are minus seven. The Chargers come out, gangbusters, first drive, they score. All of a sudden, the Packers are minus three and a half. I still think to myself, I'm getting a team that was minus seven at minus three and a half. I got to go on the Packers here because I think, and a lot of times it does work out. Didn't like a good example yesterday. So I'm a Wisconsin alum, obviously, and they're playing Iowa and they have this horrible shooting stretch. You got this terrible Iowa defense. I think they were six for 32 at one point, uh, one of 17, like what, mm-hmm. whatever it was. But yet at the end of the first half, I think it were down nine, and the spread was Wisconsin plus six and a half. So minus two and a half for the second half. I went in on the Badgers second half. I thought they can't shoot this poorly again. You know, they were favored by a point, point and a half before the game, and it didn't work out. Like Wisconsin lost by 12, I believe it was. So I, I just have a hard time betting on a team that starts really fast and thinking that's going to continue going. Like in the Packers example, again, let's say the Packers score first against the Chargers. They're up seven zip. All of a sudden the spread there is 11. I have a hard time betting 11 because I have it in my brain. 
I'm losing value because I could have bet this team minus seven 15 minutes ago before Devontae Adams scored. I, I don't know what your strategy is on that, but it's it's hard for me. I, I like, you know, the, the, and the fact that the, these spreads, if you're on the MGM app, like during a, a basketball game, let's say, and, you know, I'm watching the, the Bucks play the Raptors or something, and, you know, Giannis hits a, a bucket and the spread goes down by a point. It's like, there's no way that that's realistic. <laughs> Like one basket in the second quarter of an NBA game shouldn't change the spread, but it does. And there's got to be ways to take advantage of that. I'm still learning it. That live betting is so new to me that, uh, I, you know, it's it's still something I'm learning, learning my strategies. I don't know what you, how you approach it other than hedging. That's a little bit different, but I'm just talking about uh, how you try to maximize and win money during games, live betting. I, I'm still trying to learn it because it is, it can be really hard. And, and, you know, sometimes you end up with, I ended up with a few bets on the Nuggets last or two nights ago. And, you know, by the end of the game, it's just like, they, yeah, they, they followed with a tenth of a second left. It could have gone to overtime, but I was on the wrong side. And I knew it, but I just, you just keep betting and betting and betting because the spread keeps getting uh, higher, thinking it's going to turn around. Yeah. I'm definitely on the first floor of the knowledge level here. But I, I like one of the things you were talking about. And I, I know this week came into play with you and I a few weeks ago when. Iowa played Michigan State in basketball. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State is not a great three-point shooting team, and they made like six of their first seven threes. And that's, look, you, there'll be nights where you just hit hit your shots, you shoot better than you usually do. That's part of the game, but that, that's unsustainable. Right. And so I was just burying Iowa at whatever the adjusted odds were and burying them at, at money lines that were all of a sudden favorable, thinking this is, you know, eventually Michigan State is going to start to miss some shots. and. Yeah. Although well, mentally, and this not. goes back to something, Scott, this goes back to something we talked about is that mentally you have to be ready to feel dumb. Like if, if you load up on the Iowa money line in that game and Michigan state keeps hitting threes, you're going to think, I saw them come out hot and, and hit their mm. shots. I knew I should have known that they were going to have a good game. I saw it. I literally <laughs> saw it for 10 minutes and you, you have to almost accept the fact that sometimes you're going to feel really, really dumb making live bets because you're a lot of times, at least me, I'm going against what I'm seeing because it's it's I'm thinking it's going to come back to the norm. It comes down to a point that the great Gene McCaffrey uh, guy I've known in, in the fantasy yeah. baseball circle. He, um, always great to listen. Our, to. Always great to listen to. Yep. Really great. Uh, Colorado guy too. And yeah. he, he always talks about in order to be very, very right on anything, you have to be willing to be very wrong. And that's, I've accepted that. I've accepted that. It, it, and it doesn't matter if your ticket gets torn up, it doesn't matter if it was a 40 to seven ticket or you lost on a late field goal or a late, you know, bad flag or whatever it was, or the ball didn't bounce your way or the running back kneeled down on the one yard line or Todd Gurley, you know, of course, when in the end zone was the most Falcons loss of all time. And they're, they're trying not to score and Todd Gurley scored anyway. And there's the great picture of the Lions saying, no, no, he really is in the end zone. Yeah, the defense right? like was saying touchdown. Like, hey. Yeah. What's, what's better than that? So we're, we're still trying to figure this out, but again, I can't say enough. The BetMGM app is really user-friendly. As you said, it used to be the Super Bowl had the cheesecake factory menu of bets. Yeah, but now right. every game, every game, every game is the cheesecake factory. Again, the NFL is the main of many beats you, you do handle. The NFL is the main thing you do. And BetMGM has already given us some conference and Super Bowl odds. Let's try to suss out if we see anything of value. The Chiefs still the favorite uh, to win the NFC, they win the AFC, they're plus 225. Then it goes down to Buffalo, plus 500. The Ravens are plus 600. Uh, the Colts, with their fresh, shiny new quarterback, plus 1,000. And then down down the line, is there anybody who jumps out at you as an AFC value right now? And there's two, and I, I bet them early. And, uh, but I think we should talk about this first. It's that if, if betting now on NFL futures, 
it can be another exercise and I feel stupid at the end of the day. But I think you have to look at, all right, I believe that this team is going to make a ton of moves and they're going to be better and their odds are going to go down. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at this time last year were 66 to 1, win a Super Bowl. They went down to 16 to 1 when they signed Tom Brady. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to look and say, all right, I think this team might be a little aggressive in the offseason. If they add this piece, I really like them. And uh, one of those teams for me a couple weeks ago was the Colts. You can go back. After the Super Bowl, I was on with Minty and we did a video. And I talked about, hey, the Colts are 25 to 1. If they can figure out a quarterback, I, I really, really like them. And I still do. I think I, I'm kind of a Wentz truther. I get it. He stunk last year. But that's why you're getting, I think it's 10 to 1 to win the AFC, you said. I, I love that because I think they have everything else in place. I think they have the coach. I think they have, you know, offensive line, defense, everything. I, I think the Colts are, are a really, really good football team. And they still have the cap room to make, to make a lot of moves. They still have their first-round pick. They didn't have to get that up in a trade. I really like the Colts' value for the Super Bowl and the AFC. And the other team to me, and I, I part of it is it's hard to do because they're in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. I really like the Chargers. I, I, I'm back on this. Look, I, we've talked about this. We've joked about it. Like, every year the Chargers are Lucy pulling away the football, right? Like, I mean, it's just, they look good, so good on paper, and then they never get it done. But I believe in Justin Herbert. I believe in, you know, Derwin James coming back, Joey Bosa. This team has a lot of talent, and they have a, a lot of cap room because they have a quarterback in his rookie deal. I really like the Chargers. It's I'll be betting on them to win the AFC West, even though I'm I'm not thinking the the Chiefs are going anywhere. Sometimes things just happen. Like you know, Mahomes might miss four games or whatever. Tyreek Hill might blow a knee or something. Not not that I want to see injuries happen, but this does happen in the NFL. And I think that the Chargers and Colts to me are the two teams that stand out. As you might be looking at your ticket in May, saying, "Wow, I got you know a, a great deal on this team that's half of what it was back in February." Lots of good stuff to unpack there. The whole, if you're going to be good at handicapping or, or fantasy for that matter, the ability to connect dots before it's obvious to the rest of the world is critical. That's why people say, will say, oh, I don't want to do my fantasy baseball draft in January or February. I don't know who the closer is going to be for this team. Or I, some of the guys haven't signed yet. If you can get to the, if you can connect those dots earlier, or even, that's why I always say, I'm not going to do best ball drafting before the NFL draft. That's just a little bit too random to me because I, I don't yeah, know where guys are going to end. For me too. But once once the free agency and the draft have kind of played out, so we're, we're talking May, I'm going to jump right into best ball because it's the best best way to get acclimated with the player pool and try different things and see what different slots feel like. And I've, I've actually made, a, a, I think, five out of six years I've cashed in best ball, and last year was a great year, but it's not even that. I, that's welcome, and I certainly took the money and spent it. But it's about getting comfortable with the market. And again, I think if you can connect dots earlier, I wish we had talked about the Colts before the line went down because I believe in Reich, I believe in Ballard. Yeah. I think the depth of their roster has always been fantastic, and it's always they've always been that steakhouse team to me, where it's like everything's great except I'm not sure how I feel about the steak. <laughs> and I know there is a leap of faith you have to make with Carson Wentz, but this is what we know: we like Frank Reich. Carson Wentz and Frank Reich were making beautiful music together one year to the point that Wentz was the MVP elect if he had just merely not gotten hurt in that yeah, Rams game. So. At the end of the season, Wentz would have been MVP. Oh, by the way, they won the Super Bowl since then. And by the way, since Wentz is gone, we kind of have a different opinion. Maybe Doug Peterson isn't really yeah, all uh, that yeah. special. Yeah, Maybe Reich was, was driving more, that bus, I think. I right, really you, I know you were, really yeah, you were definitely at the front of that line. So. You know, maybe Wentz, uh, maybe um, Reich was the secret sauce more than anybody else in that coaching staff. So it's one thing 
I think the offensive designers in the NFL that we like, they always think they can fix everybody. Oh, okay. You know, that, that quarterback floundered here, but I, under my system, I can fix him. But the thing is, Reich and Wentz have history. They have already right. been successful together. They are bringing a band back together. They're not just hoping, throwing stuff against the wall and hoping it sticks. And I love the depth of that roster. It's not, it's a division, right? The Jaguars are going to be in a heavy rebuild. It's it's hard to imagine them being good next year. Houston might be the yeah. most dysfunctional franchise right. in the league. It, it, it's it's not it's not hard to imagine. You know, maybe they could get and when we saw the way they changed the the playoff structure. Getting the number one seed is a lot more important than it was in the in the sixteen playoff format. So maybe the Colts could beat up on a weak division and and win twelve or thirteen games. And and, and as you said, you know, the thing with the Chiefs. At plus two twenty five, you just can't bet them. I, yes, they're the and way to go. Thing, yeah. Re, mm-hmm. Read Mahomes. I, I still think they need that third pitch on offense. As great as Hill and Kelsey are, it was disappointing that Hardman really didn't take a step forward. Watkins, I don't, I don't know if they'll bring him back or not. But it seems like he's kind of a frustrating player. Hardman, um, I already mentioned Hardman, but uh, Ceh Edwards Hilaire could really, be the guy, but neither of us liked yeah. him last year much. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really Meh for most of the year, but there's kind of an excused yeah. absence there. But I can't bet him a plus two twenty five, and as you said, it's just not That's hard it. for a favorite to lose its way. If, if God right. forbid, Mahomes got hurt, the whole thing would would cut. That's why I always go crazy. You and I talk about this a lot when when games are blowouts, and like Patrick Mahomes doesn't get pulled or Josh Allen doesn't get <laughs> yeah. pulled. I'm thinking, look, this yeah. is the one guy that if you lose him, the whole thing goes out the window. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can't you can't live that way. So I think the Colts are right. A great and one, value. by the way, the one thing to add about this is like. For people out there who are like, didn't you watch Carson Wentz last year? He's terrible. He's a horrible quarterback. I get that. That's why they're twenty to one to win the Super Bowl. Like that's you, you got to take leaps of faith. Yeah, I know Patrick Mahomes is great. There's a reason they're like five to one to win the Super Bowl, two twenty five to win the AFC. Like you said, it's this was reflected in the odds. Like you're not going to catch good odds on a sure thing. If if Carson Wentz was still the MVP of the league and the Colts just got him, they wouldn't be twenty to one to win the Super Bowl. They'd be three to one. Yeah, so. Philip Rivers had, has ups and downs. Have, they again, probably should have beaten Buffalo in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Okay, that was one of those counterfeit wins. The the Colts, I, I think, was they, they put up four hundred some yards, no turnovers. Like one of those stats, their no first punts? team and blah 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 to win, put up this many yards or no turnovers, lose a game, a playoff game. Uh, yeah, they they were right in that game. They have a lot to. They were an eleven to five team last year, and I didn't think Rivers was great. I thought he he played well at times, but I think. If Wentz could rebound, even to his 2018-2019 form, I think he's an upgrade. I really do. I'm a, But I'm a Wentz truther. I've always loved his talent. I think they're going to get something out of him. And if they don't, they don't. But, you know, I'll take my shot at, the, I'll take my shot at those odds. Uh, hey, if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll, uh, I'll be happy to be, you know, if I'll accept being dumb once in a while if it means cashing a ticket on a, a, what looks like a pretty good, you know, a, a pretty – I'm getting value at 20 to 1. Let's put it that way. And you're getting value and – the other thing is when you when you take some of these medium priced or longer values, you hedge against it. Anybody who got Tampa Bay at long yeah. odds would have had the opportunity if they thought, okay, I'm ahead of this. Maybe maybe the the site you bet on may may let you cash it out, and you can hedge it with different results. You can even try to hedge it with the double dip, as we talked about earlier. Sometimes that's available. And you know you know with Wentz, it went bad for him in Philadelphia. The offensive line was terrible. It seemed like the skill talent was always hurt. That's a that's a very tough city to play in if things aren't going well. I mean, the, they have an absolutely just ravenous um, media, sports radio. The, the fan yep. base mm-hmm. is very passionate. And those are all great things. 
But Philadelphia is like one of the last cities I'd want to be in if I was a struggling athlete. I, th- I think just getting out of there. In, look, Indianapolis, they love their fans. They love their team and everything there. But it's not Philadelphia. It's not New York. It's not, you know, Boston. If you, you know, God forbid you play poorly for the Red Sox, the city just turns on you. <laughs> I think Wentz going somewhere else where maybe the, just the expectations will be a little bit more reasonable. I think that would help them too. Yeah, I think so. I can't wait to see what their win total is going to be. I'll probably be on the over. I, I just I, I like the I like everything that's set up. Like you said, they were at the a steakhouse that you just didn't know about the steak, and I still don't know if the steak's any good. But at least at least they got something. It ain't gonna be Joe Kobe Brissett. Like yeah, they can uh, if Wentz can again. People forget that yeah, two thousand. Everybody talks about two thousand seventeen, two thousand twenty, right? Because he was great in two thousand seventeen, absolutely awful two thousand twenty. I'm not making any excuses for how he played. But in eighteen and nineteen, he was a pretty good quarterback in the situation. Like he was. I'm not saying he was great, but. He basically had no supporting cast. They were injured around him. He was throwing to guys I've never heard of. Uh, Greg Ward became a thing a couple of years ago, and he was still playing pretty good quarterback. It just, the wheels fell off last year, and you got to take a little bit of a leap of faith that Wright can fix him, a better situation around him, all that kind of stuff. But that's baked into the odds, and I'm comfortable with the odds I got him at. Right, uh, and we saw how awful Philadelphia's offensive line is. Although the Colts had some ups and downs with their line last year, it is a plus offensive line. Yep. It's all the all the reasons why we like Jonathan Taylor last year, the yeah. Wisconsin guy. It wasn't interesting just how the rookie running backs were last year. It seemed like all of them stumbled, all of them stubbed their toe. It was like, you know, halfway through the season, the the hot button fantasy football topic was what's wrong with Jonathan Taylor? Should yeah. I trade him on you know, for fifty cents? Should I cut him? Should I not play him anymore? And if you had the patience to ride it out, man, I mean, he turned into a league winner in the second half. Yeah, he really did. And then, then, you know, it gets into the whole conversation about patience and how much is too patience because I had him in a lot of leagues too where I'm like, he's just not the guy. And then, you know, yeah, late in the year, he, he ends up blowing up, but it was too late for me in some of those leagues. Let's talk about the NFC and, and the Packers. It blows my mind that Aaron Rodgers has only been to that one Super Bowl. Of course, yeah. you know, Drew, Drew Brees is also in that camp. and sounds like he's probably going to retire. The Packers plus 375 are the current favorite in the NFC over at BetMGM. The Buccaneers off their, I wouldn't say parade. It was a boat. I guess it was a boat show is what they had uh, to celebrate. Plus 400, bringing the band back together. It sounds like Brady wants to, to play until he's 72. Uh, Rams plus 600. They've got a new quarterback. And you know, McVay, obviously one of the smartest coaches in the league, although you, you wonder what they're going to lose on defense. Defense doesn't usually translate year right. over year. They yep. lost their coordinator. Uh, the Niners, I love the fact that the Niners, just show how much respect they get. They had a horrible year with injuries, losing record, and they're still respected enough roster-wise that they're plus 700, the Saints plus 800, and then it goes into double digits. Man, did the Seahawks really have the nerve to trade Russell Wilson? I'm curious to see what happens there. What intrigues you on the NFC board? I think it would be... Uh... You almost maybe you don't, but if you could figure out between the 49ers and the Rams who you like better, I think that that provides the value. If you can, if you could say, "Hey, the 49ers are banged up beyond belief last year," I still believe in Shanahan. I still think that Jimmy can be somewhat good. I still, you know, Nick Bosa's coming back, and you know, these receivers they have are really, really good if they're all healthy at the same time. I think we saw Ayuk play really well. I mean, he's the guy who Philly should have drafted. And I think if, if you like that, if you're all in on it, you can get good value on them because they were so bad this year. They were, but they couldn't do anything. I, I kept writing in power rankings. Like, I felt like I was writing the same thing every week of, like, I feel bad putting this team so far down the rankings because what can you do? Like, what, they had nobody to play with at some point. You know, I mean, they, they just, they were ravaged. They're going to get those guys back. And I think they're going to be just fine. 
And then the Rams, like, if you believe in Stafford, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not a Stafford. I, I, I thought I was a Stafford guy until I saw him get traded and looked at Twitter and was like, oh, wow, I'm way behind on Stafford. Like, there were people on Twitter talking about him like he was, you know, 1996 Brett Favre. Like, no, like, he's, he's okay. I don't know that he's that much better than Jared Goff. Like, he's better, but he's not that much better. So, but if you believe, if you believe in the Rams, I think you're still getting good value on them. So I think out of those, I, I, I'm probably going to lean more towards the 49ers. Hope that they make a couple moves. If you can get on them now and, and they make a couple moves in March, you're going to be ahead of the curve, ahead of the odds. I, I think the Niners are the team I come up with. I, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say because I had really strong opinions about those two AFC teams, and I'm not really, I don't really have a strong lean on the NFC right now. Yeah, it looks deep. Um... I'm a big Kyle Shanahan guy. I, they're another team, the Niners, that has a really deep roster. I, again, they, they almost become one of those steakhouse teams where I'm not sure the quarterback needs to be solved. I'm not sure if yeah. Garoppolo is maybe – maybe Jimmy Garoppolo has just been a little bit overrated most of his career. I, there was a time where in New England it was like, did they get rid of the wrong quarterback? I, I think it's safe to say no. But right. that was a legitimate I know. Did they I screw know. up? Should they, you know, they would have Garoppolo so for the next stuff. eight to ten years. The thing with Stafford is, I think he's better than Goff, and mostly. Most well, how much? How, like how much? Like well, uh, yeah, I don't know how you quantify it, but do you think he's much better? Do you think he's a little better? Do you think he's you know? I, I don't. Th- I think he's. I think Stafford's about about. This is rough. About the twelfth best quarterback in the league, and I think Goff is about the twentieth best quarterback in the league. So I, I, I can sign off on that. There's two things about Stafford that I really like. I think he's the arm talent to make throws in the intermediate and deeper levels of the field that you just won't expect Goff to make. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, neither one of these guys are going to make a ton of plays out of structure. And that's, we're seeing that we're going to get to a point where unless you look like Dan Marino in the pocket, teams are not going to want to draft quarterbacks who can't make off platform plays. It, it's an era with so many athletic quarterbacks. And I'm, and I'm really excited to see if the Eagles settle on, on Jalen Hurts or if they draft somebody. Cause I thought Hurts did a lot of things good. I did too. I think, he deserves season. Second year. I think he deserves I also think he'll be a really fun fantasy player, but not yeah. that it has to be directly about fantasy. But I think what's really important about Stafford and Goff is that I think McVeigh just got to the point where it's like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I cannot. I don't think they wanted to play Goff in the playoffs. I think he only played Agreed. because the backup got hurt. And, and to be fair, I thought the Rams were going to get their doors blown off in Green Bay because Goff was going to stink. And Goff didn't stink. Goff actually played was, very yeah. well in that game. So his last, he, left L.A. with his head held high. I mean, they went to the playoffs, they won a, won a round, and he played respectable at Green Bay. But what I think is important is that they think that they're upgrading. And McVay, I, th- I think, feels that he's going to have freedom in the playbook that he didn't have with Goff. And, and that's the important thing. What I'm struggling with in the NFC is I wish the Niners were just a little bit longer. If, if they were like eleven or 1,200, I, I'd be punching the ticket the moment Fair. we ended this conversation. I just feel like plus seven hundred is a little is a little bit too sharp. I, I I wish it could be more value to that. If they add pieces, they may even go down. But this conference is so deep, man. If I don't know if Dak Prescott's going to be healthy, but right. wasn't that offense just a blast? And, and they were losing games for stupid reasons, like they were fumbling and they were doing dumb things. And I, I, I feel like. Th- I, I don't know. Maybe the right coach isn't there. Yeah, I don't think it, the right coach is there. That, that, it certainly, that, yeah. certainly wasn't Garrett, and it doesn't seem like it's McCarthy. Right. And I, f- I feel like, much like we looked at the Chargers, and I always felt like when the coaching carousel opened, I thought the Chargers are the job you should want. Star quarterback on his first deal, unbelievably deep roster, new stadium, 
a, a, a city, an area that people want to live in. The climate's good. The media is not antagonistic. It's not going to make your life miserable like it would in some other cities. I, I thought that was the most attractive job for anybody. And that, that was just a sleeping giant job. It, the problem with the Cowboys is that you're never going to get a certain type of coaching hire because J- Jerry Jones wants his fingerprints all over the yeah, team. And yeah. I think that's going to preclude them. Yeah, I know once upon a time, Bill Parcells was their coach. But I think there's a certain type of coach who won't go to Dallas because he won't get handed the keys. I'm, I'm looking, is there value with the Vikings at 20 to 1, the Cardinals? Yeah, I'm, I thought I'm about still the not Vikings sure how good Kyler Murray is. I, I'm not a Kingsbury guy. And I guess if you're not sold on a head coach in the NFL, it makes it really hard to bet them for any kind of a positive future. Because that coaching matters in the NFL more than any other sport. You also have to wonder, like, if the Panthers can get the Sean Watson. I know they're in on him. If they do, twenty-five to one's going to look like a bargain. I mean, not that not that the Panthers are ready to make a run to the NFC Championship game, but those odds are going down if they get the Sean for sure. They're one of the teams in on a chance of connecting the dots. If you if you have a good lean on where Watson is going, yeah, and and we're not talking about you know, look, Stafford's a good player. Deshaun Watson is an all of a sudden. You're changing the face of your franchise. He's on the cover of your media guide. He's the most important guy. The quarterback's the most important Top player five. in most mm-hmm. cities. But Watson's more of a, oh, you know, any, any team that's 5-11 and 11 that adds Watson could immediately think, we can go somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's that good. By the way, who's betting the Saints at 8-1? Like, have you seen their salary cap situation? It is. It's awful. Even with Drew Brees restructuring, taking a pay cut, whatever he did, to give them, I think it was $24 million in relief. They still need to clear about $75 million just to get under the cap. Like, they are not going to be the same team next year. And Jameis Winston's going to be their quarterback. The, the Saints, I can't wait for the, you know, win total stuff to come out because I am punching so many Saints unders. They are not yeah, going to be the same. That's unbettable. And maybe I, I'm I wrong. Hear you. I, 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 they, maybe they, they usually do. Uh, Sean Payton's a great coach. They usually you know, are a pretty good football team, but they are not going to be the same team next year. That bill is coming due this offseason. What they are. The 2021 Saints and the 2020 Patriots, where the name Agreed. brand Agreed. is so strong, and you're just used to, oh, Sean Payton's just going to show up, and they're going to throw the ball over the field, and they're going to win 11 games. And they still games, have guys, and, oh, Michael Thomas and, and Alvin Kamara, and oh, they still got, but their depth is going to just be torched. I, I can't imagine they don't get, they don't have to get rid of five to ten really, really solid players who are going to make a big difference on that team. And, and it's the depth league. You know, Tampa yep. Bay, as much as the Brady story is so easy to sell so easy to write they won that super bowl because they had difference makers on all three levels of their defense and, and look at all the defensive linemen who played out of their minds and, and their linebacking core and and they had the the swagger in the secondary to not care that the tyreek hill absolutely torched them a few yeah. months ago they, they could say hey we still think we're better we we think we're going to win this game we went into this game expecting to win it yeah, I man, I, I like what you said about the Saints. When the over/under, and let me know when you first see BetMGM open. Oh, I yeah. And I hope nobody from BetMGM is listening to this because don't you know put put the Saints number out that you were going to be. Don't worry Nine about that. We're not going to let me have at it. We're not going to make a Billy Walters bet on this. It's not going to be anything crazy like that. But I think fading the Saints in 2021 is a really strong call. Uh, any other team? Um, what do you, what do you do with the Vikings? They, yeah. I can never decide if Kirk Cousins is good enough to go somewhere with or just good enough to never go anywhere. Yeah, they were one of those teams that actually did play pretty well in the middle of the season. And mm-hmm. I, my whole season went this way, where 
uh, first 10 weeks or so, I was pretty good. I had a, like, not, uh, not picking for Yahoo because I was picking on Wednesday mornings. And this was yeah. the one year you didn't want to pick on Wednesday. But in pools, yes, you were in pool season. with me on, in an ATS pool. I was pretty good. Uh, you, you stayed good the whole year. And I fell apart in the last part, uh, part of the season. And one of the teams that's, that really got me was the Vikings because I thought this is an undervalued team. They're coming together. They're playing well. And then the, everything fell apart for them in the last five so weeks. Uh, you know, I, Dalvin's always going to be hurt. Uh, I love Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson, uh, I, if we were drafting a dynasty fantasy football league right now, I might draft him in the top three. Like, I think he's that good. I think he's uh, the truth, but Thielen's really old. I don't know. Rager I don't know. Over Justin Jefferson. I don't make him. How does that, how does that happen? I know. Right. Like he goes 20, 23rd, right? Like he, unbelievable. Rager, I- Rager had to be all the stories with Rager is like, well, he's really talented and athletic and TCU stunk. So you have to accept the fact that he had lousy stats. And I think, I think maybe with Jefferson, people wanted just to say he was too much of a product of the look. Joe Burrow's great. And then the offensive there, the system there was great, but he won plenty of contested catches too. It's like for all the people who are going to say, Oh, well, Alabama, they're a juggernaut. Everybody's wide open. I, I know it makes it difficult to evaluate how good Mac Jones is. But look at like Jalen Waddle. All the times he catches, I love these plays where it's it's like this play really goes for a touchdown where he caught it at the forty yard line and there's five defenders in the <laughs> right. row, yeah. and then he hits the button. He hits the imagine the, the video game button where he's like three times faster than everybody else. Yeah, but I you know, so the Viking the, the Vikings are one of those teams that just confuses me. I like Zimmer, I really do. I like him as a me coach, too. but I, I don't know. I just don't know. I think they're one of those teams that's going to end up being a little lukewarm. I don't know what to make of the Packers. I don't know what to make of the Bucks. I, at some point, God, I hate to keep saying this, Scott. At some point, Tom Brady has to slow down. He's and I, I've been burned on this, thinking it's going to be. I thought it was going to be this past year. You can go back and look at the stuff I wrote in the summer. I was fading the Buccaneers. I turned around on them pretty early in the year. I did, but all my future bets on the Buccaneers were unders and whatever. Uh, and, and and they you know stuck it to me, but at some point this has to happen, or Tom Brady is not good anymore. It has to happen. It's you can't keep playing at this level at forty four years old. It's just not realistic. For several Super Bowl appearances in a row, I've always said Tom Brady should retire now. They beat the Falcons. Tom Brady should retire <laughs> right. now. They lost, yeah, to the, yeah, they yeah. lost to the Eagles, but in a perfectly reasonable way. He threw for five oh five, and no, you know uh, they didn't punt in that game. I know he had the one late fumble. He should retire, didn't re- retire. They beat the Rams in that kind of ugly game, uh, 13-6, yeah, really a Super Bowl nobody ever wants to rewatch. I thought, great time to go out now on top. And if if I were – he won seven championships. That that looks like a pretty safe number. I mean, as great as Mahomes oh, yeah. is no, and as great that. as – yeah, I mean, look at all the guys who, who never – you know, Marino never won one. We, we talked about Rodgers and Breeze. They've only been yeah. once each. They Thankfully, they got a win for that. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad we don't have to do the story of, oh, Aaron Rodgers never won the right. Super Bowl. Drew Brees has never Drew won Brees, the Super Bowl. Yeah. That would really be frustrating. I didn't enjoy it with Marino. I didn't enjoy it with Elway. Of course, he got over the hump right. uh, and won twice at the end of his career and then did get out. I always think Brady should have retired after the last Super Bowl, but uh, I guess he has no interest on, in doing crazy. that. Yeah, but, yeah, and you never know. With uh, Even Mahomes, we talk about everybody wants to say, oh, can he win four? Can he win five? Can he win six? If you would have told me uh, January, late January 1997 that Brett Favre had just won his only Super Bowl, I said, what are you talking about? Like, no, it's Brett Favre. The Packers are great right now. He's going to win multiple Super Bowls. And that was it for him. Like, it, it is hard. It is it is hard to win year after year in the NFL. And to just think that Patrick Mahomes is going to rule the NFL for the next 10 years. He might. I, he's got that talent. But 
it's also quite possible we're sitting here 10 years from now saying, wow, since that win over the, the you know, since that win over the 49ers and then they lost to the Buccaneers, that's the same thing happened to Favre. You know, he beat the Patriots, next year came back, lost to the Broncos as a favorite, never won again with the Packers. And maybe that's maybe that's going to happen to Mahomes. Why not? Like, we see it happen all the time. It's hard. Winning, winning it's hard. is hard. Windows, the best way to have an extended window in the NFL is to have a great generational quarterback, especially if he's willing to take team-friendly deals, re- restructure. You know, Brady for years has been relatively underpaid. I know Breeze at times has, has done stuff with his contract. But it's it's just hard to win. It's it's so yeah. easy. Only one tiny thing needs to go wrong, and then you lose a game. When Dan Marino played in that first Super Bowl his second year, if somebody had told you he would have a long, healthy Hall of Fame first ballot, like he may be the best quarterback in league history on paper, yep. career, but would never records, go back to yeah. the Super Bowl, you'd say you're crazy. And he would go to the playoffs just about every year. Mm-hmm. And, and in most of those years, he, he advanced at least one round. But he'll never get back to the Super Bowl. You would have looked at him and said he's crazy. It's hard to win. Because in part because the NFL playoffs, this is not the NBA where when one team is significantly better in the NBA playoffs, they're going to win the series. Right. And the NFL doesn't work that way. I mean, no. the the Browns were not better than the Chiefs. They easily could have won that game in, in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, it doesn't take that much for – and the Browns are a nice team. I'm not slighting them at all. Let me just say quickly about the Browns as far as windows go. They're, they're 1,100 to win the AFC. And I think sometimes – we people fall into a linear trap with a team where it's like, okay, they were bad. They get a little bit better. Now they get a lot better. They made the playoffs. They gave, uh, they, they kicked the tar out of Pittsburgh. I never seen a game be over as quickly as that game was yep. in part because Pittsburgh really played terrible, but Cleveland played well too. And then they gave Kansas city all they could handle. Obviously a strange game. The play at the pylon. Mahomes got hurt. <laughs> Very weird game. But I think there's a lot of people write takeaways. I think Joe Posnanski was writing an excellent athletic uh, Browns journal all season. And the idea is like, okay, here we go. We're on the way up. We took a step forward. We took a step forward. We're going to be like a plane taking off where we're just going to keep going upward and onward. And it doesn't always work that way. Nope. I think it's just as likely that the Browns could be a 7-9 and nine or an 8-8 eight and eight team as they could be a playoff staple for the next two or three years. Well, let me ask you, there's another team that I think everybody's going to be on with that linear progression. And... Who knows? What do you think of the Buffalo Bills? I, what you just met, what you, everything you talked about with the, with the Cleveland Browns also applies to the Buffalo Bills. And I think we think because Allen kind of took the leap and he's an MVP type of candidate, and we, we just think that they're going to keep going up and up and up when who knows? We don't know. I, 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 I like the Bills, but I can't say I'm going to be on many of their like overs, season win totals or anything because regression can be a really harsh thing in the NFL. Yeah. Inertia is not your friend in the NFL. No. The regression, the plexiglass principle, the idea. And, and again, I, I disappointed in that 49ers number wasn't a little bit longer, but I'm much more likely to talk to myself of who just had a bad season that is an excused absence. Niners more than anybody with all the people they had heard. Correct. Uh, if I, yeah, I would take, I would probably take the Niners at even odds to go deeper than the Bills next year. And it sounds, wow. it sounds crazy on, yeah, on paper. You know, they didn't make the playoffs, for crying out loud. You know, Josh Allen, if not for, for Roger, you know, Allen, if they had tiered MVP voting where we could have a descriptive MVP set of results, Allen would probably be third in the MVP voting. Yeah. You know, it's the type of season he had. Maybe second, maybe and second. I mean, he was that they good. Kept like Dave, yeah, right. They kept Dave old Diggs. I was totally wrong on this. I thought Diggs would need time to get comfortable. <laughs> he didn't, but, but man, was he great. From the word go. Well, we could talk about this stuff uh, for hours on end. It's probably a good time to put 
a book on it. Now, uh, Frank, tell our listeners where they can catch up with Frank. Uh, you know, usually at Yahoo Schwab, I'm always there. Sometimes uh, arguing with you about stupid stuff, but you know, hey, that's it's our, our arguments on text message are even better. So that's uh, that's great. I, I, yeah, yeah, I argue it, a lot. It, I feel anywhere, like we agree yeah, most of the time. Yeah. Tell you the truth. What's that? I feel like we agree most. We of the do. Time. We do agree I, most it's, of the time. It's when Except we on the White Sox and Twins. Like that, that really hurt me this week, Scott. You're on the Twins, and I, I just, I, I don't know. He, my, my uh, confidence has been shook up. You know, I, I love the White Sox this year. That's going to be, I think, a team I'm going to have a lot invested on, uh, baseball wise. So it hurt me that you're not on a white, this White Sox bandwagon with me. It's not that I'm not on them. I just didn't like the price. I get but it. We'll have a lot, a lot of time to talk about that, and you, know, you can always catch us on Twitter. I'm, I'm Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. If you want to talk any, pro, you want to talk NCAA props, golf props, basketball, football doesn't matter. And of course, podcasts. If you're into the spoken word, we have tons of podcasts over at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports College podcast with with Wetzel Thamel and our old friend Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated. They run a great three-man weave on that show. And uh, NBA, what is there any sport that's more fun off the off the court than the <laughs> NBA? Of course, it's great on the court. There's always something going on. It's, it's a great soundbite sport. I mean, look at all the fun stuff that's happened recently with, uh, with um, the Warriors and with um, Draymond Green and stuff like that. I, I just love, I love the NBA. Is, I love the NBA. To me, like the most social media friendly of all the sports. They get it. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Chris Haynes is doing a great job with his Posted Up podcast. So I hope you check that out. Of course, Yahoo Fantasy is where you can do all your fantasy stuff. Uh, mentioned Yahoo Schwab, Scott underscore Pianowski. That's what we got. That's our podcast. There'll be another great show later in this week. Until then, straight cash, homie. We are out. 